You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, hey there. How's everybody doing? Off and running on this Tuesday, May, what is it, 19th? Who even knows anymore? Good morning. Welcome in. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York, plenty to roll through on this uh, Tuesday edition, of course, one hour to do so. So let's get it rolling. Of course, the number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question is uh, up for today. I've already put it up for today, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, let's start with some headlines. And you know what? Here's an idea. Let's start with some optimism. You remember optimism, don't you? It's been a while. But first, I guess you would say first surrounding the NBA, and I guess the NFL as well, although right now, because of the time crunch, it's a little bit more of a focus on the NBA. But the governor of California yesterday, Gavin Newsom, said that sports could resume in the state of California as early as June 1st. And that is a pretty major change Considering it was last week, there were all these reports that uh, that sports were not going to return even without fans in California until at the earliest the fall. So that's a massive, massive change. And if you have any slim hopes of the NBA returning, obviously you would need California. You know, you need all the states to be kind of up and running if unless teams are going to be playing in states where they don't they don't reside. So in addition to Gavin Newsom saying that yesterday, you had the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, saying that sports could resume there uh, by May 31st. Aha, beat you by a day. Take that, California. Uh, but that would also be without fans. But at this point, I think that everybody is pretty much on board, right? We all realize that whenever sports do return, they are almost certainly – not going to return with fans. So I don't think that anybody's really going to complain about that. Although I will say this, like when sports do return, like if you said to me, okay, sports will resume on, I don't know, June 10th, right? Baseball will start and, and, uh, but maybe not actual games, but you know, spring training and the NBA will pick up again and all these things will happen. I will tell you right now, it will be a week before people will start complaining. Well, why aren't fans? Some fans should be allowed. I mean, it's amazing how quickly everybody's all on the same page for like a day. And then all of a sudden it all falls apart. Now, I am still skeptical on the NBA returning. At June 1st, I don't think it's doable, right? You would have to have more than a couple of weeks for players to kind of, you know, it, it seems like more and more facilities are opening up. But it's going to take a little while before you have anybody who, you know, teams would be actually able to 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 get everybody there and, and playing together. So I still think, you know, June 1st is not doable. I don't even know if really June 15th is doable. Maybe July 1st, maybe that's a, a, t- a date that you target. And I'm still skeptical on the NBA returning at all. But yesterday was a very good day. If you are a sports fan hoping to finally have something a little bit back to normal, uh, yesterday was a very good day. Now, you had the Rockets owner, Tillman Fertitta, telling uh, the president, uh, President Trump, that he thinks that the NBA season will resume. Didn't really give a, a time frame on that. 
But Pelicans, uh, I see the GM or the team president, David Griffin, said that he expects a decision on the current NBA season to be made between June 1st and June 15th. So it looks like we're moving closer to some sort of decision made. Adam Silver obviously has a lot on his plate right now. And I think it's going to kind of, I don't think that you could say by June 1st, you'll know right now, because while things seem to be trending in the right direction, it does seem that a lot of times that these things are trending in the right direction. You get a couple of steps forward and then you take a step back. So we'll see if that turns out to be the case. As I said, I'm still more skeptical than I would, than I have been about uh, any sport. The NBA is the one I'm the most skeptical about just because of the situation that they find themselves in, right? Like their season is going on right now. Now, uh, the Rockets owner had said in a statement that he thought that the season would resume with regular season games. I, I mean, why would you ever? I mean, at this point, it's about getting the season complete and doing what you can, the best you can, to get the season complete. So to resume, if they do resume the season, to be thinking about playing any regular season games unless it is absolutely necessary for playoff positioning or something, I think that you have to just say, when we resume, we will resume with the playoffs. And while, you know, there's certainly, if you had been in an optimal world and you would have been able to play all 82 games. Maybe that would have impacted which teams made the playoffs and which ones didn't. But at this point, I think we're all kind of realize the situation that we're in. And I just don't think it's feasible. Think about how long the, the NBA playoffs are on themselves. So to, to be rushing back to play largely meaningless regular season games I just don't think that that is uh, realistic at all but uh, we shall see I'm sure you know the fact that things seem to be trending in the right direction that's fantastic let's hope that that remains the case for 24 hours let's hope that today we don't get anything that sets us back the other way much like the NBA resuming I'm a little skeptical so that's the situation with the NBA, and I guess to to, to the NFL's uh, point is too. I mean, it's not as as pressing right now, but as you get these states back up, and I guess getting closer to life resuming. Although, uh, <laughs> at least in the state of New Jersey, when you hear, "Hey, you know what? The state is moving in the right direction," and then you find out, like the next thing it will be batting cages that open up. Boy, that's going to be a long process. If we're individualizing batting cages, boy, it's going to be a long time before life is back to normal. But I digress. Uh, it's good news, and you'll take the good news where you can get it right now because when it comes to sports, the NBA certainly got good news. And secondarily, I think the NFL got some good news yesterday. But the problem with that is this puts more pressure on Major League Baseball. Yeah, Major League Baseball is still looking to hopefully have a season. And I've said, if baseball doesn't have a season, it would be devastating. It would be devastating for fans of baseball. But more importantly, it would be devastating for the sport. So while yesterday was a good day if you're an NBA fan, yesterday was a bad day if you're a baseball fan in two different ways. A, the fact that it's looking like that the NBA is getting closer, or at least at least a decision is getting closer being made on the resumption of the season. And the other part of it is, is that it was another day down, and Major League Baseball doesn't seem like it's moving anywhere closer 
to any sort of agreement. Now, it's been, I think, a week at this point since the owners made their pitch to the players. And if it seems like there's not been any movement on either side, I think it's because there's not been any movement on either side. So if it seems like the negotiations are going no place, there's a reason for that. They're not going any place. And the issue, obviously, as it's been since the start, has been money. Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic, I thought, laid it out pretty well in that the union is essentially saying that the salary matter is closed. They don't want the 50-50 split. They view it as a salary cap. And while I don't necessarily agree 100% with their position, in fairness to the players, they did already negotiate a reduction in their salaries. They did that back in March. So for the owners to negotiate that one, and that one, you'd have to say, came about pretty quickly. That one, the owners, the players, they got together, and they came to an agreement. I would say it was fairly fast. It was like within a week. And now it's been a week since the owners have made this latest pitch, and the players don't want to hear it. So the union is basically saying that the salary matter is closed. The owners say, we can't move forward until you drop that stance. And the players are saying, well, we're not going to drop that stance until the owners display actual evidence of this financial gloom and doom where they're talking about losing $4 billion. And what that means is they expect, or they have at least a, a hope, that the owners will open the books. And when we're talking about hopes and dreams, boy, that one seems pretty far-fetched that they would ever actually open up their books to the baseball players union. And this has been the problem since the start. When you talk about two sides working together, the NBA, you feel like the owners and players there, not that it's all kumbaya and everybody's all on the same page, but you have some real evidence that they will work together for what's best for the sport. The problem with baseball is, is that the relationship there is as bad as it is in any of the major sports. And it doesn't feel like anybody's working towards what's best for the sport. They only care what's best for them. So here's Jeff Passan on SportsCenter last night talking about how the players, if they want to play, they're going to have to make sacrifices to play this season. I think the players also understand that if they want to play this year and they want to get paid this year, then they are going to have to abide by some of these rules. And and some of them, you know what, are actually really reasonable. But some of them just have this odd optical thing that's confusing to us. Like sitting in the stands during games, we've never done that before. We haven't done that since Little League. And yet it's a reality in this moment. If Major League Baseball wants to play this year, this is probably how it's going to have to be done. All right, so that is, uh, of course, Jeff Passan on SportsCenter talking about uh, some of the rules that would need to take place. And look, the, the the real issue here is not the rules. It's not about the 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 safety concerns because while that is important, I think that all reasonable minds will be able to come up with some sort of an agreement on that. The real problem is the financials. It's always been the financials. And whether or not they can get it done – I'm still going to be optimistic that they will because, I mean, geez, Louise, guys, read the room. Considering all the things that are going on right now, the disaster that this would be. And if, and look, in the short term, 
it's, I think, more of a disaster to the players, right? The players' earning window is very, very small. For them to lose out in an entire season would be disastrous, I'm sure, for a lot of them, even though there's plenty of millionaires. I would think that if you're – I don't know this to be true uh, in my own life, but I'm assuming if you're making that much money, your expenses go up as your salaries go up, right? You, you buy a bigger house. You buy a fancier car. So I think that there is pressure on the players – but that's in the short term, and for them, I guess it's it's for life. But in the long term, this is more on the Major League Baseball owners. They own the sport. So if they're going to lose $4 billion this year, think about all the losses long term. If you lose a season, especially if the NBA does come back or if the NFL season gets started roughly on time, as devastating as it would be for baseball not to have a season, in that optic, where other sports are able to return and you can't, even though this was kind of, the situation is kind of set up for you to kind of shine, right? You'd have the summer all to yourself. You've had time to push back the season. And if either of those two sports resume and you don't, boy, that would just be Uh, A disaster in the short term, public relations disaster, but really a disaster for the sport long term. All right, here's Jeff Passon one more time about the the proposal is a lot to take in. It's a lot to consider. It's a lot for the players to understand. It's a lot for teams to undertake. But it's also, Nicole, what is warranted in this moment. And that's the really difficult thing that I think a lot of people inside of the game and those outside who are reading stories about this and hearing us talk about it are having to understand. This is kind of our new reality. And and this new reality for baseball happens to be as obtrusive as it is because it has to get by local health officials and they have to rubber stamp it. And so you want to err on the side of caution. But it really is a lot for players to be thinking about. And that's what they're doing in this moment as they consider it. All right, so there's Jeff Passan on SportsCenter yesterday. Uh, we have lots of stuff to do, though, today. That's the optimistic news, and unfortunately for the baseball fans, the pessimistic news. But coming up, we will review the last episode of The Last Dance. That is in the books, and that ties into our poll question for today. And uh, we kind of did the headlines of the opening segment, but uh, yesterday we touched on episode 9 of The Last Dance. Yesterday... I finally caught up on the final episode of The Last Dance, which we know the story by now, right? How Michael Jordan rides off into the sunset and the Bulls capture their sixth title and beating the Jazz. And I got to be honest, back at that time, the first time they played the Jazz in the final, I actually had some hope that the Jazz would be able to knock off Jordan. And at that point, you know, after it was established that you had doubts of whether the Knicks would ever be able to overcome the Jordan Bulls, At that point, I just wanted somebody to be able to overcome the Jordan Bulls. So the first year that they met in the final, I had some hope. The second year, I didn't really. And they did a nice job on the last dance of making it seem like, and and maybe this is just my own perception, my own negativity at the time, but the the documentary did a, a nice job of making you feel like the series was a lot closer than I think it actually was. I mean, it ended in six. It didn't go to a seventh game. Uh, but for the last dance and the last episode, I think clearly it was a fantastic thing, and thank God we had it. It was a great decision to move it up. I know uh, Jason Ayer has been on all the different platforms saying how difficult it was to get things. You know, It was originally set to air in July, and even I think it was last week he was uh, doing the final cut in the final episodes. 
So uh, it was great. Uh, I know some people are saying it's the best documentary they've ever seen. I would simply question how many documentaries they've actually, or sports documentary, I would question how many sports documentaries they have actually seen. Uh, This documentary series, everybody was pretty much on board, given the situation that we're all living in, the lack of sports and all that stuff. But the topic itself, you know, you had me at hello, right? You had me, I was already on board from the first episode. So I was going to love it. Almost certainly, no matter what you put up there. And they did a fantastic job. Congratulations to Jason Ayer. I'd be interested to find out what his next project is going to be. I, I checked his IMDb page and I've not seen anything that is listed there as of yet. To me, the best documentary, certainly the best documentary series that I've seen in a sports context has, was the OJ documentary, Made in America. And that had a far tougher task. As I mentioned yesterday, that documentary I went into not really not really feeling the need to rehash that story again but yet it was not a rehashing it was a completely different take on uh, the entire thing and 10 episodes i remember when we first started 10 episodes on the oj's oh my god do i really need that well it turns out you did need that because it was fantastic and to me that of, of documentary series not that i can think of that many although i'm hoping that this now means that you're going to get more of these kind of long form documentary series the oj one to me is still the number one but the last dance was fantastic the access the footage but again it uh you had me at hello and that doesn't take away from the last dance any it was still fantastic stuff it was still great i am kind of surprised i know other people have brought this up there was no reference at all to the line about the mailman doesn't deliver on Sunday, I had I had misremembered. I thought that that happened in the second matchup against the Jazz. It was actually the first year that they played. But still, I can't believe that that did not get brought up. But among the things that, obviously, the topic of the final episode is the breakup of the dynasty and the question of whether or not they could have won a seventh title. Now, our poll question today doesn't really touch on that because I think most people, especially after watching that, you would feel like, of course, of course they could have won. They would have won. Uh, they would have continued to win in perpetuity, right? They would have won and won and won, and they never would have lost. Michael Jordan would have been 55 years old, and they'd still be after watching it. How could you not feel that way? I think certainly you would have to say, and Michael does bring this up that they deserved that chance. So our poll question for today is, who do you blame ultimately for the breakup of the Bulls dynasty? And we gave you four options. I gave you Jerry Krause, who I think is largely seen, right? He was the general manager. He's the guy who said even before the season began that Phil could go 82-0, and that they were going to break up the team. And there are some real things that they were dealing with at that time. The team was starting to maybe not crumble, but you know, age was having an impact on everybody. Not just Jordan, but Pippen, whether or not he was going to be back for another season, I think is clearly the most difficult thing that, that if they were going to bring it back and run it back for another season, convincing him to to return to Chicago with all the animosity he had about his contract and, and ownership and all those type of things, that probably would have been the most difficult thing. But there were real things that they were dealing with. The, 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 the team's core was starting to get older. 
and the other pieces, the role players on the team, they were starting to see their, you know, age start to catch up with them as well. So we gave you four options of the person you ultimately blame. Do you blame Jerry Krause, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner? Do you blame Michael Jordan for some reason? I had to put a fourth one in there. I don't know. It was either Michael Jordan or Phil Jackson, or do you just blame Father Time? And I think this poll question will probably come down to either Kraus or Father Time. But I don't really blame Kraus as the ultimate villain. Jerry Kraus is not the reason that they didn't get the chance to go after number seven. The ultimate responsibility belongs to the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. And he made it clear, has did so in the documentary, has since. He essentially felt that it would have been too expensive. Think about that. Think about if an owner in New York City had come up and said, you know what? We'd like to run this back one more time, but it's just getting too expensive. And that's what Jerry Reinsdorf says. That it would have been too expensive. Now, I do think getting Pippen to return would have been next to impossible. But as Jordan brings up, you know, if you said that Phil was on board, if you said that Michael was on board, I think everything else would have fallen in line. And let's say you would not, a Pippen was adamant he would not return, he would not. If you had Jordan on board, and Phil clearly would have been on board. They still would have been a good team. I understand the maneuverability would have been difficult. Well, that's what Jerry Krause got paid for. He was the general manager. And if the word came down, like it did the year before, of Jerry Reinsdorf saying, no, Phil is returning. We are running it back for another year. Jerry Krause would have had to have gone along with that decision of ownership. He did already the year before. And I think it's pretty clear that it was the wrong decision. Right? That part is not debatable. There's plenty of debates in NBA circles, especially surrounding Michael Jordan. The, there is no debate of whether or not breaking down the team was the right decision. And that was the feeling at the time. This is not hindsight. The problem for Jerry Krause is that he would have, it's kind of hard to believe in his argument that, oh, all these things, all these obstacles, we just couldn't bring the team back for another year. Well, the problem is you would have ended it after the fifth title. And now that we do have the 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 gift of hindsight, we know how his final basically five years as GM went. They were 166 and 376. And the moves that he made, Elton Brand and... Ron Artest and Marcus Pfizer and, and Chris Mim and, and Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. But I don't ultimately put the, the, the blame at the feet of Jerry Krause because the reason that the, the dynasty ended was because it got too expensive. Now, for Krause, he does, I think, fairly get put the blame on to a certain extent, and I think that that's fair, you know? He let, it was his decision, not ultimately, but if it were left up to him ultimately, he basically allowed Michael Jordan to get away while his powers might have been in decline. They were still pretty close to the peak. And he decided to pass on a chance at another championship. A championship 
that Michael Jordan, while psychotic in his own thinking, is convinced that they could have won. Mainly because Krauss was convinced that he would be able to turn around the organization, maybe not in a year or two, it's going to take some time, but it never turned around. Even to this day, it's not really turned around. But ultimately, while Jerry Krause should get a lot of the blame, to me, it's mostly on uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. Now, Reinsdorf was not happy with the way that um, – about Jordan's comments, about saying that they, they brought up, you know, allowed Jordan to see the video, and Jordan said that they never had any conversations about this, which is kind of hard to believe. But Jerry Reinsdorf told Casey Jackson, quote, I was not pleased. How's that? He knew better. Michael and I had some private conversations at that time that I won't go into detail on ever. But there's no question in my mind that Michael's feeling at the time was we could not put together a championship team the next year. The problem with that is, is that it ties into how Jerry Reinsdorf felt about wanting to kind of break down the team, that it was becoming too financially, it was too expensive. And the problem with that of Michael feeling at the time we could not put together a championship team the next year kind of goes against everything that it's that that we've been led to believe about Michael Jordan that he would never feel that way because he 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 had such ultimate belief in himself and sometimes with championship teams you need to have a healthy amount of change just running back the same team every single I mean they they were able to change after letting go of Horace Grant and brought in Dennis Rodman, and that kind of worked out just fine. I'm not saying it would have been easy to replace Scottie Pippen. And maybe it would not have worked out. Maybe they would not have won that seventh title. That's certainly a possibility. But they definitely deserved the chance to do so. And the person that you would have to say ultimately is responsible for that is Jerry Reinsdorf. one 800 espn one 800 Seven six. Let's get a couple of calls in here before the break. Terrence in Brooklyn. Terrence, my man, what's going on? All right. How you doing this morning? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, listen, um, in my opinion, I think that there's blame all the way around. Uh, because if you have a winning formula like that, I felt that Chicago had the opportunity one more time to uh, maybe win another championship. And if you do that, when you when you want enough and everything else like that, it's beyond money. All right, you gotta you know you 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 got a winning formula. This so, you know stick try to stick with it. You would have had a chance. Yeah, I, look, Terrence, I agree with you. I, what it shows you though is that for the owners, uh, it's not it, it's always a business first. Like all the talk, and maybe there are exceptions in other sports or in, in other situations. At the end of the day, they look at it as a business. And for Jerry Reinsdorf, despite getting what you would think is the ultimate goal of winning title after title and having this transcendent, maybe the most transcendent superstar we will all ever see, at the end of the day, it came down to the bottom line. And the bottom line was it just got too financially um, difficult to make money, even having Michael Jordan at the peak of his powers. Think how crazy that is. And I do feel like, especially for Jerry Krause, I think that in his heart, and I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve credit or that he is this ultimate villain. I'm not saying that at all. But when you look at who is to blame, 
he does deserve a healthy amount of blame. Now, I don't think he deserves the ultimate amount of blame. I don't care how convincing he was. He should not have been able to convince Jerry Reinsdorf that this was the right course of action. But he does deserve a healthy amount of blame because he, I think, overestimated his role in putting the the dynasty together. I'm not saying he didn't make important moves, being able to draft Scottie Pippen, getting Horace Grant, clearly, drafting Tony Kuka. All these moves, they're all important. So that's not to say that he didn't do important things or that he didn't have a hand in and he doesn't deserve credit. Of course he does. But he was also convinced he would be able to rebuild the uh, the organization. And it's pretty clear now that we have hindsight, he was not able to do that. And he also was – he also allowed his ego to – write some checks that his his abilities couldn't cash in the end at the end of the day. So I'm not saying that he's a villain, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve credit, he does. But at the end of the day, he he's up there. He does deserve blame. There's this 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 idea now that he has been painted unfairly, which might be true. But to think that he doesn't deserve any blame that it was that 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 he he did this amazing job. He was gifted Michael Jordan. I mean, he that he didn't make that pick. That was handed to him. And whether or not he would have made that pick, we don't know. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight against that? No! We will run! And we will live! Alright? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds. Many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Fresh off the run the Sweet 16 of the rewatchable movie bracket, Braveheart. 25th anniversary of Braveheart's release. It's been 25 years. Oh, my God, I'm so old. Hey, 98.7 ESPN and Stu Leonard's wants you to thank all the brave and hardworking heroes during this pandemic. Stu Leonard's has created a first responders gift box with healthcare workers and first responders in mind. If you know a hero who deserves a Stu's favorite treat, uh, send us their story at 98.7 FM at ESPN.com. Or tweet with the hashtag 987Salute. We'll choose 10 winners on Friday. Salute each recipient on air and send them a Stu's gift box. Again, email 98.7FM at ESPN.com or tweet with the hashtag 987Salute. If you'd like to purchase a gift box to send, head to Stu'sGifts.com. 
For every first responder gift box they sell, Stu's will donate $25 to the American Red Cross. All right, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York, your moment of inspiration for this uh, Tuesday morning. The poll question, which is up for today on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, all about uh, the last dance. Figured we'd uh, give it one last shot with the last dance, and it is after episode 10, right? Episode 10, the final one, talking about the... uh, the last championship, and then the breaking down of the dynasty. And who do you ultimately hold responsible for that decision? It seems like most people are saying Jerry Krause, although I think a fine decision would have been father time. Look, there are, to just simply say that you could have brought them everybody back, I do think is not really based in reality. But I would think that if you had gotten Michael Jordan on board, and that's the, the uh, you know, as Jason Ayer, the documentary director of The Last Dance said, he was the alpha and the omega, right? You get that part of it on board, I think Phil definitely would have returned. Whether or not you could have got Pippen, that is, uh, that is clear. That is clear. Now, Brian, you say you got a clip of Jerry Reinsdorf kind of blaming Phil. All right, play the, play the Reinsdorf. He, he's gotten a lot of blame. He's pushing the blame game out there. All right, throw it out there. But he said, I don't want to go through a rebuild. I don't want to coach a bad team. You know, that was the end. It just came to an end on its own. You know, had, had Michael been healthy and wanted to come back, it, I, I don't doubt that Krauss could have rebuilt another championship team in a couple of years. But, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't going to happen instantly. All right, so there's Jerry Reinsdorf putting it on Phil. Well, no, look, I understand Phil not want. You know, Phil was not going to stick around and coach the team that ultimately became the, the the following team where I think they won 13 or 15 games. So, no, I understand Phil's – but if you had gotten Jordan on board, if you had told Michael Jordan, no, we're going to try and come back for a seventh season, or a seventh championship, not a seventh season, but a seventh championship, then Phil would have gotten on board as well. And, look, you might not – and Michael makes the point that you could have convinced Scottie Pippen. I don't know if that's the case, but – Look, we've all seen ex- countless examples of people being put on Jordan's list. If Scottie Pippen said, no, I want out of here and gone someplace else, well, Scottie Pippen would have been on the list at that point. And I think that the, the Bulls would have been able to craft something or it would have been on Jerry Krause to kind of come up with something, some sort of plan to put somebody else alongside Michael Jordan. And given his psychotic need to win, who knows that that definitely would not have worked. Probably wouldn't have. But to say it definitely would have, uh, would not have, uh, I, I think is a bit of a stretch. So I think uh, Jerry Reinsdorf can say all that he wants right now. I do think that ultimately he is the one that is to blame for the, uh, the Bulls' run ending the way it did. Maybe it would have ended anyway. Maybe six titles was the most they could have done. And really for Michael Jordan's legacy, not that it would have been altered all that much, I do think it's improved by the fact that it's win three in a row, retire, Come back, win three in a row, and never get beaten, and ride off to the sunset. I mean, it's it's a resume that, in terms of, re- it's it's hard. To, it's almost impossible to beat. It's almost impossible to beat, and whether or not we ever see anybody beat it uh, remains to be seen. I, it seems pretty unlikely. Six titles, no losses. Now they did lose in the playoffs before that, but once their run started, once they got to the top, they bas- they never got knocked off. Never got knocked off. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Here's uh, Dominic in Manhattan. Dominic, what's up, man? Hey, good morning, Gordon. Uh, what's up? Like, you know, 
I've heard people mention that they were, you know, the, the end of their career, and, you know, they were looking tired in that finals. But Jordan took off for three years after that, came back and played for Washington and still averaged over 20 points per game. Uh, Pippen still went on. He went to go play for Houston. He went to play for Portland. You know, an, another five years put in Scotty-esque numbers, you know, still scoring points, grabbing rebounds, playing defense, you know, assisting. So I, I, I think that they, sh- you know, that they did come back for that seventh year. Um, you know, another championship was, was doable as long as Phil Jackson was there coaching. I th- the one thing I really appreciated about watching this was, you know, everybody could say Phil Jackson had the luxury of having Colby his whole career and having Jordan, but, you know, put it in those bits and pieces of, you know, cool coach in game-winning shots, dealing with Dennis Rodman and his craziness, you know, really, really made me appreciate Phil Jackson even more. Have a great day. All right, Dominic, thanks, man. Yeah, look, I definitely think it takes some of the stink, especially here, off of Phil's tenure with the Knicks. I mean, he is a a great all-time coach. Uh, And, you know, you can give the criticism of, well, he had this guy. Nobody wins without talent. Nobody wins without having the the talent to be able to be a championship-level team. So I don't don't crush Phil for that. But, again, much like I feel like with Krause – you know, he got gifted this amazing, this most transcendent superstar that we'll all ever probably see. So I'm not saying that he didn't have a hand in it. Clearly he did. But again, at the end of the day, it really kind of all comes down to of having Michael Jordan and having him when he had him. So, uh, but uh, you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter at Gordon Damer. And to just be fair, you know, you said that Jordan came back after three years away, played, uh, and Pippen went to, to Houston and then eventually to Portland. I think he was only in Houston for the one year, right? I think so. Um, to be able to say that they played in the NBA past that is one thing. To say that they would still have been championship-level players is is another thing. So, maybe look, it's, it's certainly possible that if he had stayed around, that Jordan would have eventually showed the warts, right? would have eventually showed that Father Time gets us all. He didn't have to do that, So, but they definitely deserved any championship-level team, especially of of that kind of superstar, deserved that chance to come back and do it again until they – until they didn't do it. Now, if they didn't do it, this, you know, if they didn't, if the following year they weren't able, you know, they got knocked out in the, the conference semifinals or, or they lost in the conference finals, well, then you would have had a fair argument. All right, you know what? We've had our run. Our run is over. Let's pivot. And for Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, what he said, well, oh, well, you know, Michael said this, Michael. What he should have said is, look, we made a decision at the time. We thought that we were being proactive and looking in the best interest long-term of the franchise. We were wrong. We screwed up. And we should have tried one more time, but he didn't say that. He put, he put the blame on this one, put the blame on that one. For our poll question, which is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is now that the uh, last dance is in the books. We've all watched the last episode, at least you probably have. Uh, who would you say is ultimately responsible for the end of the Bulls dynasty, right? The last episode focuses on the final championship, championship number six, and how the team decided, the organization decided, to kind of rebuild from that point. A very odd decision at the time, and clearly in hindsight, the wrong decision. For all the talk about rebuilding and all about you know being proactive and and going through the right process, clearly the result proved you wrong. So 
We focus today on who's responsible. Ultimately, do you think is the most responsible? At least so far, most people are saying Jerry Krause. For me, it's the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. Uh, Reinsdorf, even in the documentary, said that it just became too financially prohibitive to bring everybody back one more time. And Michael Jordan even kind of touched on that during the documentary, saying, you know what, if it had to be just for one more year, Jordan was already operating on one-year contracts at that point, uh, that that's what they would have done. We give you one-year contract to try for seven. Do you think they would have signed? Yes, they would have signed. Would I sign for one year? Yes, I would have signed for one year. I've been signing one-year contracts up to that. Would Phil have done it? Yes. Now, Pip, you would have to do some convincing, but if... Phil was going to be there, if Dennis was going to be there, if MJ was going to be there to win our seventh, Pip is not going to miss on out on that. Yeah, 91, 92, I was, I was young, full of energy, hungry in 98 when winning six out of eight. And yet being just as dominant as you were in 91, that's where the, you know, the craftsmanship came in. You know, I think 98 was much better than any other years because of how I was able to use my mind as well as my body. All right. So, look, maybe Michael Jordan has a little revisionist history as well, that he was closer to the end physically than he would led you to believe in that clip. But I think ultimately he's right. And I don't think that they would have probably been able to get Scottie Pippen on board. Maybe he would have, right? Maybe Michael Jordan's aura and his his personality would have been able to convince Pippen that it was the right thing to come back, put it off for another year. I mean, he was looking to cash in for the longest time. That was his opportunity to do so. He did the sign and trade to even max out his earning potential a little bit more. He would have been a free agent anyway, but I think he got an extra $10 million as a result of uh, doing the sign and trade and getting sent to Houston. So maybe they would not have been they've been able to bring back Scottie Pippen. Uh, and maybe they would have had to figure out other ways to supplement the talent. But who knows? Maybe that would have motivated Michael Jordan even more. So, I mean, we, we, I mean, that's what the documentary kind of detailed time and time again. It is crazy desire to prove everyone wrong. Think about how it would have been to prove everyone wrong that he couldn't win without Scottie Pippen. There would have been an 11th episode. They thought I couldn't win without Scottie Pippen, and he would have been laughing at some iPad or something or else. But you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. Who do you ultimately blame? I think it, it has to be Jerry Reinsdorf. He's the owner, and he had already once put his foot down and told Jerry Krause, no, we're not breaking. For, for Jerry Krause to do what he did, he he would have he'd been able, he was willing to break it up after the fifth title. So that that's even further evidence that he was wrong even then. It's not you know a lot of decisions are made in hindsight. This was not hindsight. This was at the time thinking that it was a mistake to break up the team the way that they did. And I'm not saying that there weren't obstacles. I'm not saying that Jerry Krause doesn't deserve credit. Obviously he does for the decisions he made. He built up a team. That's true. But at the end of the day, the person who was most responsible, I would say secondarily it would be Jerry Krause, but first person was Jerry Reinsdorf. He's the owner, and he is the person that um, – and, and even his responses since, even in the documentary and uh, other things that he said since, putting the blame on other people. No, it's your, it's your team. You're the owner. You're the owner. Uh, in terms of the headlines of the day, in case you were just joining us here before Golik and Wingo, good news yesterday. Some op- we started the show with some optimism. Which it feels like we've had, it's been a while since we started the show with some optimism. Uh, optimism. Uh, the NBA looks like that they might actually be able to return this year 
and I guess secondarily it would be good news for the NFL too, but that's a little bit further down the road. Uh, the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, saying yesterday that sports could resume in that state as early as June 1st, which I don't think is doable for the NBA. But the fact that it's not going to be in the fall like some of the reports were just last week, that's great news. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, saying May 31st. So if you're hoping and you're holding out hope and you're one of the optimistic NBA fans that still felt like you were going to get a conclusion to this season, I think you'd have to be more optimistic now than at any point. I, I certainly am. Now, I'm still skeptical about the NBA because I just think that the time frame is not going to work. Pelicans executive David Griffin said that he expects the decision on the current NBA season to be made between June 1st and June 15th. And how we're going to be sitting on June 15th, really kind of tough to say at this point. But if you are looking to be optimistic, if you're looking to be someone who is hopeful that things will return sooner rather than later, uh, yesterday was a pretty good day. All right, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back tomorrow starting at 5. Please vote on the poll question. We'll see you then, and we'll be back tomorrow. 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.